Greetings, folks, and welcome to the East Village Times podcast. Uh, I'm your host, James Clark, and with me today is Austin Hartsfield. Uh, what's going on, Austin? How are you doing, my friend? I'm excited, uh, very excited, actually, to do this. I've been waiting to podcast for a little bit. I've been off the grid podcasting-wise when it comes to baseball stuff with painting corners going down for a little bit, but I'm excited to talk Padres baseball. Yeah, we thought, you know, I thought I'd bring back the podcast. Uh, nobody has seen the Amarillo Sod Poodles as much as Austin has this year. Nobody's been in that locker room as many times as he has. Nobody's interacted with the players as many times as he has. Uh, Austin is not a Padre fan, but he's an adopted fan. He's becoming educated on the system, becoming a fan of the team, fan of the Major League team. Uh, and I thought this would be an interesting podcast to possibly do weekly. Um, we're kind of, I don't know, we're kind of playing it by ear. Uh, kind of just seeing uh, what the response is from you, the listeners, and see whether or not you want us to go ahead and uh, pursue this or not. But I think uh, Austin and I have a good interaction with each other, and I think this is going to go well. What do you think, uh, Mr. Hartsfield? I'm pretty excited. You know, like you said, um, the big joke with me is that I'm a Red Sox fan living in Texas covering the Padres system. So uh, I'm pretty yeah. excited to talk about it. I don't really get to talk about the Saudis as much as I would like. I don't really get to talk about the Padres as much as I would like. Uh, you know, you can only, like we said before, you can only say so much in a tweet, and I think that vocal interaction is a whole lot better than just you know, typing. Yeah, exactly. That that's what it's all about. Is that the fans? You know, you've told me so many little things about the players this season and being able to talk to them and kind of earn their trust and stuff. I think this is a great way for the fans to kind of hear about that and kind of get a little more in depth. Uh, for the future of this podcast, we're hoping to have uh, several players on the show, media-type personalities, kind of like what uh, Patrick and I used to do with the EBT podcast. Uh, I think we're going to be more of a business-like show, if you will, uh, talking to the Jonathan Mayos, the Eric Loggenhagens, uh, people like that, and, and evaluating the prospects and evaluating this young Padres team that is supposedly supposedly coming to the promised land, but it's it's been rough. Uh, presently 64 and 74, 10 games under 500, uh, 25 and a half games uh, behind the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, it's rough being a Padre fan, Austin. I, I don't know if you're quite aware of the pain. Oh, that, I'm aware. The, 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 <laughs> yeah, I, I think you're you're getting it from from Twitter and, and the sarcasm and the and just the the just the abuse that the fans take towards each other and towards different aspects of Padre baseball. But it, it's been a rough. Rough, uh, rough 50 years for Padre fans. It, it, there's just no doubt about it. Um, Ronald Bolanos made, Bolanos made his Major League debut today. Give me a little bit about that young kid. You saw him a lot in, in, in Amarillo this year. You made note of his velocity. I mean, I, I saw him last year in Lake Elsinore in, in, in previous seasons, and he, he wasn't hitting 99. It definitely wasn't doing it late in games. So give us a little bit about the young Cuban and, and what he brings to the game. You know, one of the cool things about Bolaños is he's one of the four free uh, international free agents to be signed in that 2016 class. Those other four, we're talking Michelle Baez, we're talking Adrian Morajon, Ronald Bolaños, and 
Jorge Onya, who suddenly disappeared off the map, and I'm sure we'll touch on at some point in the future. Yeah. But you know, very successful class for that for the Padres as a system. Bolaños by himself. I mean, this this is a kid that goes deep into games, and when he does, he's got that Verlander type gene. Not necessarily the pitching style, but the ability to increase his velocity in times that matter. He's gotten himself into trouble before here in Double A. You know. He would let a few people on base, but just like you saw, you know, in his first major league start, this is a guy that gets himself out of trouble when he needs to. And when you have a hundred in your back pocket in the sixth inning, like I believe it was against Midland this year, that uh, I think it was pitch ninety three that he throws a hundred miles per hour and blows it by a guy to end the inning. Uh, he's also got kind of a little junk pitch that he goes in. You probably saw yeah, it a little bit <laughs> seventy four mile an hour. But uh, that's quite a differential right there, huh? Yeah, it's, it gets a little crazy. So he's very unpredictable, but you know he's got very clean mechanics, and it's pretty excited to watch. Yeah, that's. I think that is a is a key factor for him is that he seems to be an innings eater or possibly be an innings eater, the kind of guy who repeats his rep, his repeats his motion really well. And, and and you know, at times I've seen where he can get a little wild in the and out of the not zone. always there. Yeah, what what have you seen from him this season uh, as far as command? And then also his secondary, which has kind of been hit and miss. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned the slow curve that he throws, but what about the other off-speed pitches that, that he's kind of been a uh, work in progress for him? You know, uh, Jimmy Jones and I have talked about what he calls Platinum Ron a lot. Well, we call him Platinum Ron because he had one of the best plays that I've ever seen, <laughs> turning a double play from his butt in his best start yeah. of the season. Sports Center number one play, it was just insane. But Platinum Run, I mean, you know, he spins that little slider that he's got. It, it sits about mid-80s. It could go a little bit lower than that. But, uh, you know, he, he changed he, the way that Jimmy Jones put it. He sped up his arm action a little bit more this year. And that's very interesting to me because not only that, it's created a lot more deception than he had before. And when you have deception in this game... I mean, there's nothing worse than have, than facing a guy that you can't see the ball until it's released. That's what makes Mackenzie Gore so special. That's what makes Luis Patino so special, is these guys are able to hide the baseball until it's almost directly out of their hand. And that's what makes Bologna so good. I mean, I, I can't say enough good things about the guy. He struggled at Hodgetown, which most people do. If you don't know, Hodgetown's almost three times the altitude of Arizona. And it's an absolute hitter's paradise. So if you can succeed here, you can see, succeed just about anywhere. Exactly. It's it, the little things from the system, little things from these pitchers that, you know, Bolaños wasn't necessarily a top 10, 15, 20 prospect in the system or a top 10 pitcher for that matter. But it has shown so much at such a young age. I mean, there's just there's a lot to like from him, uh, you know, and, and he gets lost in the system. I mean, the kid's only 23. A lot of people do, though. It just. Yeah, and and that's that's a great thing for the future of this 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 team. I know fans get a little tired of hearing it because we've been pumping this out for the past two or three seasons, but the majority of these young kids were drafted as international talent, and they were drafted at 16, 17, 18 years old, and it took them a little bit of time to get here, and now they are at 22 and 23 years old. That that's a very young major league pitcher. I mean, most major league pitchers aren't aren't doing that at 20, 21, 22, 23 years old. And and the Padres have a handful of, of pitchers doing that. So there's going to be growing pains. There's going to be issues. And it, it's been, it's been a trials and, and it's, it's just, it's been rough for Padre fans, but there is a future. Um, let's, let's learn a little bit more about this Amarillo team. 
They're about to take on uh, Midland, correct, in a playoff series? Yes, sir. Game one Wednesday. Great. Uh, Austin will be there uh, providing video, providing content, uh, has a couple interviews set up uh, before the game. I don't like to mention interviews or particularly who because, I don't know, every time I, sing, I, do, I seem to do that, they, they kind of flake out or things happen. So we won't mention who he's going to talk to, but he's going to talk to a couple of uh, key sod poodles. Especially he's since got I've a been lot trying of to talk to one all year. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, just knock on wood and, and hopefully it'll get done. But give us a little bit of a series preview for, for the game. Uh, no starter has been announced. Uh, Austin and I were kind of talking before this pod that it could be Jacob Nix. Um, give, give, give me a little bit of a series preview uh, for this uh, this big yeah, – so it's the first uh, – First playoff series for Amarillo in how many years? Yeah, it's it's been it's been forever, man. I mean, in this city that has craved baseball since it left, and they have taken advantage of it. You know, the Sodpoodles won the first half, so we got the first two at Hodgetown. Losing the second half was a pretty big deal because not only did they lose the second half, but they also lost the overall record, which gave Midland that fifth game in a five-game set. So we'll go two games in Amarillo and then three straight in Midland. Not really sure who are, who are the starters are right now, you know, with – Mackenzie Gore being shut down with Luis Patino being shut down, uh, which at one point we thought that we could have a rotation of possibly Mackenzie Gore, Luis Patino, and maybe even Adrian Morhone, depending on how he performed at the major league level. But none of that happened. We don't have any of those guys at our disposal. We have guys that have had success this season, like Lake Bacher and, you know, like you said, Jacob Nix. We're not really sure who exactly is going to be starting this game, but we do know that we're probably going to have to face Brian Howard, one of Midland's top, you know, top guys when it comes to facing Amarillo. He threw 21 and two-thirds, I believe, consecutive scoreless innings against the team. So they're obviously going to have to generate a little bit of power. And, you know, this is a team that they took 17 of 29 games against in the regular season. So it should be okay. it should be interesting to see how they match up this late in the season with a lot more, with a much different roster. Yeah, definitely. How how's the bullpen been holding up? I know they lost uh, a they, lot of pitchers. Yeah. <laughs> Give us a little bit about the bullpen and how they're kind of working through some issues with promotions and such. You know, it's it's hard to have a bullpen in Double A whenever you know you have such a young team above you in terms of San Diego. Because what what happens this late in the season is you know you guys get to see these guys that I've seen all year. And, you know, whether it's David Bednar, who is absolutely spectacular, I cannot say enough about how good David Bednar was in Amarillo. You know, and we, we lost Michelle Baez. We lose, you know, guys like that. And we're left with, not that there's anything wrong with Doris Valdez. Doris Valdez, when his slider is on, is one of the most talented players that I've seen all year. But the bullpen's been struggling. They've uh, they've given up a lot of runs in ninth innings, especially the last two. Uh, they actually blew blew a lead and cost them the game. Uh, not the last game, but the previous game, and almost did it again in the ninth uh, in in the se- in the season finale. Luckily, a Buddy Reed diving catch saved saved that game. And you know, uh, we the bullpen's gonna have to pull it together if this team's gonna have any success. Yeah. Is Valdez uh, working as a closer right now? Is that who? We don't actually uh, have a closer right now, ironically. It's kind of yeah, that's, bouncing that's what I'm around. Kind of wondering. Okay, okay. That's what I was kind of wondering who, if he named anyone or if he's going to just going to go by matchups uh, and use who he needed to. 
Yeah, I, um, I don't think Welly would tell me if I asked either. <laughs> you know, have playoff rosters been announced at all? They haven't, have they? They haven't. They haven't yet. And okay. I'm not sure. You know, even think... Wellman wasn't sure on the deadline for that, actually. This is all hypothetically just off the top of my head right now, but I would expect to see uh, Wilson back with the team since he was not promoted by the Padres and El Paso's season is over. Yeah, well, um, I was expecting to get probably... Peter Van Gansen back, guys like that, but we haven't seen yeah. any moves like that. Knicks is the only big one that I've even seen. Okay, and, and the Knicks move was official that they, they did add him to their roster? Or... He is on Wellman's board in his office. Okay, okay, so... Uh... We'll have to wait and see. I, I would expect to see a couple additions from uh, the El Paso team kind of trickling down there to kind of help uh, Amarillo out. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, Lake Elsinore is in the thick of a playoff uh, push as well, so is Tri-Cities. Uh, Tri-City, there's going to be three different Padres affiliates playing tomorrow with the playoff uh, push, so it's going to be exciting for Padre fans. Um, anything else you want to give us on Amarillo before we move on, Austin? And I know... You know, we could talk about so many different things, but anything uh, in particular about the playoffs or anything we should look forward to? Nothing playoffs-wise. I mean, I don't want to get started on Gore or Patino because I could go on for probably literally yeah. an hour. But yeah, yeah, we'll 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 hit on that. You know, I'd love to talk to you. We're we're just gonna have to to space out our content, uh, yeah, fans. But uh, Austin has talked to both Patino and Gore multiple times. Uh, built up a pretty good relationship with them has a lot of insight about their their chemistry and then their, their bond and their friendship. And it'll be cool to kind of hear uh, about those two. Uh, I had the opportunity to interview both of them uh, in Lake Elsinore this year before they moved on. So it, they're just a fun group, a fun fun duo, aren't they? I mean, they, they're just they're exactly funny to look at in the, in the dugout <laughs> too. It, 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 it's hilarious because if you know their personalities, they're exact opposites and they kind of just – Gore gets a little more energetic with him around, and Patino gets a little more calmer, and it's kind of McKenzie it's, it's smiles a, fun, a whole uh, lot more when Luis is around. He does, he really does, and and it's it's just it's it's pretty amazing that a kid from North Carolina and a kid from Columbia can become really good friends and have this bond like they have, and I, I hope that they're major league pitchers for the Padres for the next twenty years. I really do because it's just it's fun to to watch them and, and the way they go about their their business and. They're they're pretty good pitchers too, and not not just pretty good, not just good guys. <laughs> yeah, they're they they you know they they can toss the rock uh, pretty good up there, right? <laughs> no complaints. Um, so let's let's move on to uh, this major league roster on the Padres. I know Austin is not a huge Padre fan, not up to date on what is going on with this team, but I thought it was relevant to talk a little bit about uh, the current structure of the roster. The Padres currently have fifty one men on their roster. Uh, on their 40-man loosely roster, 11 are on the disabled lists or That's another aspect. Um, five days after the World Series, the Padres are going to have to get that down to 40 men. Uh, basically, 11 men who are currently on this roster are going to have to be DFA'd, are going to have to be released, are going to have to be removed. And um, there's a lot of a lot of names out there. So I, I, I don't know. Um, I know that you're not completely educated on this whole system but give me your thoughts on the fact that the Padres system has a bunch of riffraff on, on their roster in the bottom half and just give me your thoughts on on whether or not you think that that's a productive way to go about developing young players 
Well, it's, I, I'm, it's just it's crazy to me because you know, looking at this forty, I'm seeing a lot of guys that I've seen you know before or are still seeing. I mean, Luis Torrens and Eduardo Edward Alvarez is still on this forty man roster. And, yeah, and they they have a couple of crunches with with Rule Five draft coming up, uh, but the big issue is going to be the year after when a lot of their 2016 J2 talents are going to have to be protected. Uh, a lot of other players are going to have to be protected. They, they, they have 40-man issues seriously right now, and they're going to have 40-man issues for the next two seasons. You know, multiple talent is a good thing, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about this because they signed Nick Martini last week, a uh, 28-, 29-year-old journeyman left-handed hitting outfielder. And to me, it's a head-scratching move. I, I understand he's performing well. I understand he gets on base. He comes with that that ability but i'm just wondering I, i'm just wondering what what's going like why on why not plug in I, a young guy there considering you're already out of the playoff hunt or why not give a guy who's going to make 25 million dollars next year named will myers a chance to get his head straight and give him consistent at bats I, I you know andy green takes a lot of heat by the fan base but let's start putting some heat on aj preller i mean Andy Green has only handed these players. Andy Green isn't the one who said, you know, I think Nick Martini just cleared waivers from the A's. Let's go ahead and put, you know, this didn't come from him. He's de- he's dealt a hand. He does what, what he can with what he has. And right now the Padres have a, 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 a enormous amount of outfielders. And it, I just, I just scratch my head when I see Nick Martini, 29 years old, batting second in front of Manny Machado when that's a place where Urias could be developing and getting a good spot in the lineup and, 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 and become a better hitter. I I'd had no problem when Naylor was hitting there. I, I, I don't know. Just give me your thoughts. I'm just kind of spitballing here. Give me your thoughts as a, as a Red Sox fan, a fan of a team that is able to construct a viable playoff contending team year after year. And give me your thoughts about the Padres. You seem to consistently – spin their wheels and you know it's, just it's, not... the martini move really confused me because you have travis jankowski who just got back and it's yes you're yes it's like what like why do you need martini if you have jankowski this is already kind of a lost season like get guys that wouldn't get at bats or haven't got at bats this year and let them yeah hit. so yeah it, it, make, it makes it what kind of message does that send to jankowski is that telling him Hey, you're going to get released at the end of the year i mean you're we just straight up picked up a guy off the streets that, that we think has you know exact same tools that you have, mi- minus defensively, but is an on-base left-handed hitter type guy, and we're going to put him in the lineup over you, and you're a homegrown Padre, a guy who's been drafted by this team. I I, I just I I don't know I, I'm 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 just wondering where the semblance is, where the consistency is with this team. These young players are going to need that eventually. They're going to need to just have a, a consistent lineup, a consistent effort and and finally learn their way in this game. And right now they're kind of just rattling around battling for playing time. I mean, Andy Green indicated today that Luis Arias is going to remain at shortstop and that's a head scratching move in my eyes. I, I don't know what your opinion is on that Austin or if you have an opinion on that. I have a weird opinion on Arias that I'm sure we'll get to at some point, but I mean a lot of these guys, if you've ever heard me talk for more than 15 minutes, you know that I believe that Astro fans treat Kyle Tucker with absolute disrespect. 
Like, absolute disrespect. They're always saying, trade him, trade him. Padre fans kind of do the same thing with Urias. Except, mm-hmm. in, you know, and I want to I want to preach this because Kyle Tucker is absolutely mistreated by the Houston organization. I mean, he's dangled as a t- trade chip. and But the guy can <laughs> never get consistent at bats. How can you expect to see what kind of a player the guy really is if you don't ever give him consistent at bats every single day? The trouble yes. with Urias is he's kind of gotten those at bats. And he's still not producing. I mean, what what is exactly going on with him? Is it is it just that he's not producing up to it, expectations? It, it, is it just that Tati set the bar too high? It's, it's seriously a mystery. I, I really don't know. I've been in the locker room. He's an I've been around. He, it's it's almost as though he rubs the organization the wrong way in some manner because they kind of. I mean, signing Kinsler was ridiculous in this offseason. Yeah, I mean, a guy I mean, that, I understand for the, with the you need that veteran Kinsler leadership. Had. I mean, you need leadership. You need veterans in there. You can't have a roster full of first and second year players. I understand that, but they could have got leadership at a different way. When Urias came in last season, established himself in in August and September, got hurt and and and. And was just kind of just shoveled to the side at, at age 21, 22. So, I, you know, I, I really I don't have an answer. I, I just don't like seeing him at shortstop. I think yeah, Manny Ramirez, uh, Manny, Manny Machado is a gold glove caliber shortstop. Put him at shortstop. Let Urias and, and France rotate at second and third. Because at this point, Ty France is moving into Luis Urias's spot for next season as far as a competitive there's going to be a, comp, a competition between these two in the spring for what did Andy Green say that he was going to have to earn his spot he's going to have to earn that starting job to, it was either today yeah. or yesterday yeah, like, yeah yeah it's yeah. baseball everybody does yeah see that's just odd some of the signals they send I, I don't know in, in in being around this this franchise up close and being around Andy Green up close and being around a lot of these guys up close I've learned to kind of read between the lines. They'll kind of give you clues on what they're thinking and what they're doing, but they won't necessarily tell you. And I'm, I'm really having the feeling that they're going to shop Luis Urias, that they're doing this. They have him at shortstop because they're trying to increase his value. They're trying to show other teams that, look, he can play shortstop if you need a shortstop. That That's just my gut feeling. That's just how I how I view this. Because, well, you're showcasing. Like I said, yeah, they're show, straight up showcasing him. And that's the only only explanation that I can think of because if you really valued him as your second baseman of the future, these are valuable times for him. For these next 25, 30 games to get consistent playing time and, and be out there every day at second base improving, and that's not their focus. Their focus is for him to play shortstop when you already have a 21-year-old whiz kid at short. So I just I, – I don't, I don't understand. I, I really don't. And I, I'm really sincere when I say this. I genuinely think that Tatis' success kind of hit the acceleration button on Arias. Because the Padre fans, you know, yeah. when you saw how well Tatis was hitting, it's kind of like, why isn't Luis doing the same thing? You know, it's yeah. you're seeing a kid that's so young, that's so highly touted. and They just get frustrated. I mean, look at Dodger. Dodger prospects come up and catch fire automatically. Don't get me started on Kevin prospects. There you go. I mean, it, it, it fan, Padre fans see that and they're like, what the hell? You know, Naylor's performing admirably. He's putting up decent numbers. But, you know, wh- why, why are we getting like this kid from Cincinnati just, just 
lighting the world on fire. Like, where are these guys? And, mm -hmm. you know, that may come along the line. C.J. Abrams could be that guy eventually because he has that type of ability. But the majority of this talent was pitching, and pitching is slow to process. It's See, slow very to, slow to process, especially, especially yeah, when, is. like, you're, you know, you let your kids go 100 innings and then it's time, you know? It's, yeah. uh, man. It can be mad. So the Padres have huge roster issues. There's some there's some fat on there that can obviously be trimmed. Uh, they have Aaron Loop still under 40 man. Uh, Ian Ken uh, Ian Kennedy, Brett Kennedy, uh, Adam Warren still on there. Mejia's Breen, who was just added. Yeah, to the I thought he was added. Problem. I was that was really curious. And, about I mean, that that's one. nice. Tip your cap to tip your cap to that. But uh, he's not going to survive this 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 purge in, in November. Purge. I mean, there's just <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then there's other names. Yard, Yardley is 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 on the fence. Twenty nine year old journeyman type pitcher. You know whether or not they'll expose him. Uh, Reyes has been up and down all year. Uh, will they will, will they finally cut ties on the Javi Guerra experiment? Uh, Robbie Erlin's out there. That, by the way, he almost has the, no pitching experience. Yes, and he's yes. pitching for the Padres yeah. immediately. How? I mean, that's like sending a a pitcher that just started pitching to the PCL too. Except you multiply it with better hitters. You don't yes, do that. I, I mean, he just he's only logged so many innings in Amarillo. Yeah, it. it I tell you that sometimes the Padres make moves that you're just like, what the, what the hell are you doing? I mean, I understand he was already on the forty man, but you have other pitchers that you can call up that. The Padres have plenty. There's plenty of relief pitchers. There's plenty of pitchers in the bullpen. They don't need Javi Guerra up here. I, I don't know. There's, there's. Sometimes you need to protect these players because there's good. There's more bad that can happen than more good. You know, he could come up and be a Michelle Baez and, and show dominance in in the beginning. Monster. But like you say, this is a brand new. He's just learning to pitch. Yeah, he throws 97, 98 miles per hour. But when it's straight as an arrow, and, and you're telemarketing your slider. You allow yep. three. You allow three home runs straight. I mean, that, what can I tell you? People have asked it, me it, about him, about what I saw, and I can't even give an honest opinion. I didn't see him enough to even yes. give a clear cut opinion on him. Exactly. He's still. He's so inconsistent with his motion, with his delivery, with everything. I mean, you I wouldn't expect it to be any other way, too. So, I don't know if they did this because they want to see whether or not he has the ability and whether or not. He's going to survive this purge that's going to have to happen. I mean, eleven players off of you, off of your existing roster is a lot of is a lot, and yeah. that's not to mention whether or not they want to go and sign other players and and, and go the Rule Five route. I mean, there could be fifteen guys that are that are cut in, in, in November off of this roster, and that's conceivable. So, I don't know. I, I thought that was an interesting thing. How often do you see? that many players that could potentially be removed from major league roster and, and, you know, five days after the world series or whatever the, the requirement is. So, um, we'll have to wait and see, uh, Padres are a frustrating team, man. They really are. Yeah. They're, they're just, it's just the on base percentage. I mean, they're currently 23rd in on base percentage at three ten. Uh, they're fourth overall in K's with over 1300 and, 20 was 1,328 strikeouts. That concerns Only me Texas, a lot. Detroit, and Seattle have more teams that are just horribly, horrible offensively. That are just, I, I don't know. It's it's frustrating because this has been a cost, common theme. The team has been this way for, I would say, five to ten years. I, I don't know. I, I I just don't know. OPS numbers. They're 22nd, 25th in batting average. I mean, these are these are 
you can't expect to compete when your team is offensively this inconsistent and this horrible at putting the ball in play. It's it's just frustrating. It, 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 I mean, Ronald Bolaños doesn't give up a fire. run after the first inning last night and yeah. gets the loss. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it It's just frustrating. It really is. I, I don't. They've been through so many hitting coaches. They've been through so many different hitting philosophies, if you will. Something needs to be changed. There, there needs to be a consistency. There needs to be, again, I, I question whether or not A.J. Preller's brought the people around Andy Green to successfully do this stuff. Andy Green can't sit here and, and coach everybody up on their swing, can't get everybody's – I mean, he's got enough shit to do. He, I mean, it's, I, I don't know. I, you, I'm an Andy Green apologist. Call me what it was. I am being frustrated. I am getting frustrated with him <laughs> and a little bit of his managerial style. But this team just hasn't been given the opportunity to succeed. They did in April and May when their young staff was fresh and they were able to go five and six innings on most starts. But that all fell apart in the middle of the year because they're so young. And A.J. Preller didn't give any reinforcements. There was no no pitchers were at it, no Syndergaard, no Stroman, no nothing. So it, it is what it is. This team's improved over last year. There's a lot to be excited about. But – there's more of an expectation from this fan base whether or not it's can we talk about the elephant in the room about the one deal that did get made go for it i yeah well yeah this is my first time talking about this i I figured it would be i uh you know god i don't make that an episode by itself Framiel. I seriously, I could talk for an hour on this. On this, it's like me with Gore. It's, it's just I'm, never I'm, ending. I'm, I'm a little upset at Fran Mill because he allowed this to happen. To be honest with you, I know that's a weird take, but he allowed Hunter Renfro to outplay him, and he allowed Hunter Renfro to run circles around him defensively, which was the key to this whole thing. And he made himself available, and. I, I, you know, I talked a lot to him. He's the the trade was was shocking to him. He was not happy, but it was kind of a, like an awakening thing. And he's gonna bust ass. I would not expect to see him as a DH for the his whole career. He's more than capable now. Field. He has average to slightly above average speed. He's got an above average arm. He's always had issues with route running and with judging the ball. That's something that can be fixed. That's something that can be addressed. He did not put the proper effort in order to do that. He came off a knee surgery this past this past uh, winter, which kind of sidelined him. I don't know. I, I'm just pissed because I, to me, I love Hunter Renfro. I've gotten a chance to get to know him, and I respect him greatly, but if – the two players are identical as far as offensively. Fran will bring, bring so much more. And, you know, who, I, I, I don't know what to tell you, man, because I, I am very much looking forward to Taylor Trammell and what he can bring to this team. So I'm just – I don't know. Austin, I don't know what to tell you, man. I'm, it's like I wish I could have had my cake and eat it too because I love what Trammell brings to the team. But Fran Mill was my boy. The chemistry has been altered. The chemistry is different in the clubhouse. There's no debating that. There's there's no way to debate that. Um, the reaction is more when, fascinating it, than the trade. 
What? Just like the reaction of the trade to from the fan base. The fan base. Well, I, I I've taken a lot of heat for defending Travell so far. Well, see, I don't I, I don't think that's fair to to link them. Well, it's as, it's going to. I mean, it happens it, all the time. It is because that's just how fan fandom works, and that's how it is. But I, I don't know, man. It's 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 rough because. Framu brought a lot to this team. He blue guy. I mean, he communicated with the fans. He he worked the room. God, he was just so impressive with the bat too. I mean, I can remember the last the couple of days before he was traded, uh, at a game, uh, sitting behind the uh, the batting cage, just watching Baltimore Orioles players just ooh and ah over him hitting to the second deck, hitting it over the Western Metal Supply Building. Hitting it over the nat- the National University sign, I mean, just ooing and awing over him, and it, fans like that. Fans love that. I mean, that that's that's just. I mean, we have players. a whole competition based on it if, at the, at the All Star yeah, break. Yeah, I mean, and I, you know, I I am like I say, I'm very much looking forward to what Taylor Trammell can bring to this team. It's a smart baseball move. You're getting a player who's arguably a top. 10, 15 talent in all, in all of minor leagues. If we're talking just under especially. Yes, and it was just undervalued. And that's kind of how A.J. Feller works. You, 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 t- you traded a guy in, in Franmil who anybody could have selected off of Rule 5 a couple years ago, was never a top 30 prospect on any list ever, ever. I think only my EVT list he made a top 30 appearance. But, you know, and, and you know Logan Allen's no snooze either, and they gave up the, the minor league uh, Dominican third, third baseman infielder as well. It's just the loss of Fran is rough, especially for this fan base that's felt so much loss in 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 their whole existence from trading uh, of Dave Winfield. To, I mean, the signing of Dave Winfield to the trading of 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 uh, of, of other players that that have meant so much, like Robbie Alomar. It's just. It's it's rough. It's it's rough being a Padre fan, and I think I think you've adopted us. Like, kind it's, of felt sorry. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> it's like the little brother that that you're just like, come on, just kind of get it together. Come on. I, I feel so bad half the time because like I'm, wa- I'm I'm I watch Padre Twitter. Which by the way, if you're a baseball fan and you haven't noticed Padre Twitter, then you're not a baseball fan because it yeah. is it's entertaining to say the least. It's entertaining itself. It's in and. A lot of it is powered just by the frustration. That this oh, it's one hundred percent powered by the frustration. I mean, yes, it wouldn't be this it bad is. if they weren't frustrated. No, and and they're passionate kinda, bunch, kinda, man. I mean, they they really are. They really are, and it. I don't know what to tell you. The the Framil trade was rough. Um, it's 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 just something that's you know Cleveland plays in in San Diego next year. <laughs> it's oh, going to be interesting. Kind of reception he gets uh, coming back. Uh, I know that uh, Cleveland is up in Anaheim. Uh, I think in a couple of days, and I know Padre fans were planning on commuting up there and and and, and rooting for Fran Mill. So uh, I don't think it's caught... fair that they're linked together forever. By the way, no, it isn't. And and because if you look, if you take emotions out of it, that trade makes a lot of sense. It's it's a good baseball trade for the Padres it really is it, it fits a need it fits a need it's just a shame that Fran Mill had to be a part of that you know I think that Padre fans wish 
you know, why wasn't Renfro in there? And you give him another prospect or something. And, and it, that's just not the reality of it. Obviously, Cleveland coveted Franmil. He was a big part of it, a big part of allowing Bauer to go to Cincinnati, which allowed Cincinnati to move Trammell. So it, it is what it is. It's in order to have, in order to gain someone like Taylor Trammell, you have to lose someone that hurts. And obviously, Padre fans are feeling the pain from losing Framiel Reyes. It's a game of uh, give and take. I mean, you know, if you look at it, you got you got a guy that was, by most of the accounts, destined to DH. You know, I know you're big on like the fact that he can play play the outfield here pretty soon. I mean, but as of right now, it doesn't look like it. You know, you gave up a guy so, who most well, guys I, yeah. kind of see as a four or five starter in Logan Allen, and then you give a prospect who was hot in Yvonne Nova. Or, or, or in Nova, who, you know, was hot, and, you know, they took advantage of him being that hot and added him, added him as a prospect. You you get Taylor Trammell back, who, you know, I've had a chance to talk to a couple times. This guy's wired correctly. I mean, he... Yeah, give, give, us, give us a lot on, on Trammell, because make, make me feel better, because... Damn you! Why'd you have to bring a friend meal? I, I had to. Was, I had to. We got to. We got to break the glass now, a little now, bit. Now I'm, now I'm cracking open a, a beer. <laughs> opening a. This I mean, is how I felt whenever just, we got Andrew Benintendi rumors. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, I mean, it. It. It's just. It's. It sucks for the fan base, but. I can give you a little on Tramel if you want, just kind of the overview. Yeah, give give us a lot on Tramel. I, I know that you've communicated with a lot of them. I know he's a he's a hard worker. He's a great kid. Very, very high baseball IQ. So, you know, hype him up, man. I, he, he, you're right. He does get a lot of abuse on Padres Twitter, which is absolutely ridiculous because he didn't ask to be traded for for Fran Mill. It's not his fault that he's traded for Fran Mill. Let's start wondering who be this guy is that we got. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they gave up three players for one. This is a quality individual. Let's give him a shot. Let's learn about him. So give us a little bit about Mr. Taylor Trammell. You know, Taylor Taylor takes really good routes to the baseball. I mean, if we're talking in terms of just as far as an outfielder, the arm everybody says the arm strength isn't there. I'm not that really concerned about the arm strength from what I seen. I mean, he hits all of okay. his spots, you know, uh he takes great routes to the baseball. He's got plus speed. I mean, he's in an outfield that's extremely athletic, probably the most talented outfield in minor league baseball in terms of defense yeah, when you center fielders, right? I mean Yeah. I mean, Buddy Reed playing right field, Edward Alvarez, who had a spectacular season in Amarillo uh, in left field. And then right now you got Taylor Trammell playing where Padre fans hope he will be for the rest of his career, and that's in center field. But, you know, that's not what jumps off the chart about Trammell. What jumps off the chart about, about Trammell is he has the best plate vision that I think I've ever seen. I mean, and, you know... Being around a guy who can build at bats like this again, I'm gonna mention Jimmy Jones a lot because I talked to Jim, I talked to Coach Jones a lot. Like I talked to him after every game, we talked about the starter. But I, you know, I had I wanted to ask him about Taylor because you know from a pitching coach's perspective, what do you what do you see? You know, how do what do you see that helps you do your job? And basically, he told me he builds at bats. I mean, he makes every single at bat difficult. I mean, very rarely does he have you know at bats that are less than four pitches. I mean, he com- turns into a completely different animal when he gets down 0-2 and somehow always works the count to at least to where it's even. He he waits for his pitch. He started to get his pitch, and, you know, the extra base hits are coming now, and if he can, you know, if he can start pulling it together like he has these past couple games in the playoffs, 
I mean, I think the Padre fans will kind of turn the tide on him a little bit, just showing that he's comfortable now. That's the big thing with Wellman. Wellman thinks that he's finally getting comfortable because it's very, very shocking when you get traded like that. Obviously, call-ups are a little bit different, you know. It's kind of a, it's kind of a yay, you know, I'm moving up in the world type thing. This is, it was kind of, it's not a sideways move, but you're getting traded. I mean, the organization that you want didn't want you enough to keep you. And you have to kind of live through that. You have to, you have to, and I think Taylor realized that immediately, man. I mean, uh, I'm very thrilled with how he approaches the game. I'm very thrilled with his attitude. He's a very team first guy. I mean, he's the first guy in the dugout usually to, you know, uh, give somebody a high five if they homer. And, you know, he's he's been a spectacular guy, man. I mean, even better baseball player and a bright, bright future in San Diego. That's awesome. It's, it's good to hear. Yeah, I've heard a lot of different things from, uh, his uh, teammates as well, that they're really pleased with what he brings to the game. So it's exciting to see him uh, get a fresh start uh, in 2020. Uh, I, you know, I don't know. You think he's probably going to start out in Amarillo and kind of play by ear? Do they uh, want what, him what, in the PCL is the question. I mean, because it's obviously very different with hitters and pitchers. But Amarillo's yeah. numbers are a little deceiving, too, because of the altitude. So I don't really know where he starts. It's kind of the same thing with Gore and Patino, too. If they don't make the team out of camp, where exactly do they start? But I mean, uh-huh. Taylor in his in his time here has done really really well now that he's gotten settled in. So I don't know where he's going to start, but I do know that if he keeps up the pace that he's going, that he won't be in the minors very long next year. No, I wouldn't expect him to be more than an uh, this time next year. I would expect him to probably be making his major league debut if, if he has decent numbers. Even if in, it's in as a corner outfielder, I mean, just yeah. get the guy yeah. out there, see what he can do. Yeah, exactly. They they definitely covet left-handed bats at this moment, and there's just a lot of upside with him, a lot of play discipline. And we talked about the fact that these guys are striking out at a ridiculous pace and, and just not putting the ball in play. Uh, he's going to be able to rectify that, and that's, I think, the philosophy that this team's slowly getting into. Um, oh, I know what we were going to talk about. Eric Mr. Eric <laughs> Let's close on that. So, that, you know, I saw you getting into it. Well, not really necessarily. I just wanted into to it, stir the pot and like kind of see what everybody feels it. because you know in that feed, you know, it's not always true feelings. It's kind of just like talking yeah. for the sake of talking. And, well, Eric. you know, you're talking to the guy who guaranteed the Padres would not sign Eric Cosmer, so I, yeah. I have not very much to say on the topic. Um, Eric Cosmer is a good first baseman. He really is. He's a he's a good first baseman. I, I just wonder. I, the I don't money's know. never going to look I, good, I, I by the way. Say, I don't want to, the money. I have no problem with the money. The money they need to pay money to somebody. I mean, the the payroll is still in, in the bottom half of, of baseball. It's not pay, the money's not an issue with me. Uh, it's whether or not you needed uh, Eric Hosmer when you had a Naylor, you had a guy who like Framil Reyes who came up as a first baseman. I don't know. To me, investing okay, – I guess it is about the money. So to me, investing that type of money into a first baseman, they have to be top three in the, in, in the league because first base is such, is such a position that you can just bring in a journeyman here. You can get a filler here. You can get a fourth outfielder to play the position. Well, you already have Will Myers on the roster that played gold glove caliber first base uh, in the one season he was allowed to kind of stay there. The signing was odd to me. I understand that they wanted to bring that that clubhouse presence. I, I've seen him in the locker room. He is the 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 
judge and jury, the, 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 he's the leader of that clubhouse. He is, goes about it and goes about it in a professional way. And I, I respect that. And I see that. I just kind of wonder if they could have got that somewhere else. I, I don't know. I, I think fans are just frustrated with just, just frustrated in general. And if Eric Hosmer strikes out with the bases loaded, they rip his head. I mean, slowly Padre fans are turning into Philly fans. Uh, and I, I just, I don't have any explanation for it. I, you know, he is performing well offensively this year. Defensively, he's been an off this year. There's just no weird way to figure him, by the way. That. The guy that was consistent yeah. gold glove, you know, candidate and winner. Don't get me started on the gold gloves are like BMOC or like prom queen. Yep. There's, there's just freaking Mike Trout doesn't have a gold glove. Like, how does that make sense? Yeah, how did he not? I mean, he's God, he, that's a popularity guy, kind of guy. That that's great. makes me scratch my head. But he, Hosmer has weird angles at first. I've seen him take weird angles stretching for balls. I've seen him flinching on balls in the dirt. I, I'm just – it's concerning for, for the fans because they want perfection. They expect gold glove caliber. He makes great plays. But then occasionally we'll make gaffes out there, and it again, it's just more along the lines that Padres expect Padre fans expect him and Machado to be perfect. They're making 25 and 30 million dollars, they need to be guiding this team, they need to be hitting 300, they should be all stars every year. That's just the accountability they have. And you know, in some regards, I guess they're not really wrong in expecting that because these are leaders of the team, these are the established type players, but. It's just, it's just tough. I, I, I don't know. Give me your thoughts on Hosmer. I, I know, I, I don't know. I, I really wish the Red Sox would have signed him. And not <laughs> I'm really happy with Mitch Moreland. <laughs> yeah, I know you are. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, when you look at the guys at first base, I mean, Hosmer is the sixth highest paid first baseman in baseball. Is there? I mean, if if we're really thinking about, it, is there ten people? Is there ten first basemen in baseball that you would rather have than Eric Hosmer? Yeah, and when I had to think about it, probably not. I mean, I'm sure I. That's that's I my biggest thing. He's making a hundred thousand oh, dollars less than Chris Davis. So, yeah. and the Orioles. Are, yeah, they're the just Orioles a train wreck. Are, how much did they pay for Chris Davis in in total? One hundred eighty. Yeah, it's. I, I can actually give you the this number is, right now because it is one of those the biggest anomalies. So much deferred let, money. And, and they let Manny Machado just walk away. That it just it it blows my mind when when things like that happen. Seven years, one sixty seven, one sixty one. Okay, so God. a little more than half what it would have took to to retain Machado. But it's still. Well, this is a I mean, team that also let Jonathan Scope walk for absolutely nothing. Uh, will eventually, I mean, trade Kevin Gosman. You know, I mean, the only bright spot in that entire system is Adley Rutschman. Yeah. So yeah, back on Hosmer, I mean, though, I mean, I mean, this is a guy that's I've never seen a team, a fan base, rip somebody that's leading their team in average, and that's yeah. what kind of started this whole thing for me. And I was I was just kind of trying to figure out why exactly they don't like him, and I think a lot of it's just how like stoic he is. You know, it seems like he doesn't care sometimes, but I feel like that's just Hosmer. Yeah, I think it is Hosmer. That's just how he is. You know, he's not the most accessible in the locker room. He's not the most friendliest guy, but he has a, a just an aura about him of a leader, an aura about him of well, someone you respect. 
Yeah, and then that's not nothing to sneeze at. So the Padres definitely did need someone like that. They needed to someone to provide them a little bit of that professional aura that they needed uh, with all these young players. So, you know, again, I've kind of softened my my stance on Hosmer, but it, to me, it's just like the signing was just strange. I, I really, seriously, did not think that they were going to go that route. I was blown. First base out is of also in a position that's almost impossible to get right. Unless you're Paul Goldschmidt, who's actually struggling this year. Unless you're Freddie Freeman, who obviously is an MVP candidate. I mean, Votto. Even Votto's having an off year. When I see Hosmer, I see Freeman, and I see what Hosmer's, like, offensively could be. Like, you know, when they both came up together, they were pretty much on par, you know, line-to-line, gap-hitting first baseman, power-developing, and... Freeman's kind of taking his game, offensive game to the next level, and Hosmer's kind of just kind of remained the same. So I think maybe that's what fans get frustrated with. They expect more out of him. They expect to see more power. Uh, I know last season the launch angle thing was a big issue for him because uh, he was just rolling over balls left and right, just a worm killer up there. But he's he's kind of rectified, rectified that. He's, he's putting the ball in the air a little bit more, averages up. Uh, you know, he's leading the majors in, in two outs with runners in scoring position or some obscure stat like that. But yeah, he, there's there's worse people to be on uh, as far as the the, fan, the franchise is concerned. So, you know, Hosmer gets his share of it. But nobody takes more abuse than Andy Green, which is absolutely not you know, head-scratching. Head-scratching yeah. to me, but I, I understand the frustration. But I just ask for fans to really think about it feels you know, like the fire John Farrell phase in Boston. Like, yeah. You in, know, sadly, first-year managers don't have success. They just – Not everybody's you know, Alex Cora. Alex, yeah, exactly. Alex Cora, Aaron Boone. Those, they're, 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 it's a rarity. And, and they, those type of people usually have it right off the bat. They don't trend towards it. So Andy Green has an uphill battle to remain the Padres skipper on a relevant team. I don't know. I've always envisioned him as like uh, Tommy Lasorda, kind of guy who could manage this team for 30 years, who was young enough, who's preaching the right things. But, you know, I've had talks with a couple of media guys kind of behind the scenes, local San Diego media guys, and his talk and the way he presents himself, the Bill Belichick type of attitude is is kind of wearing thin because the team's just not winning. So it's kind of hard to take him seriously when he's so businesslike and so stoic and so just reserved and, and you know, this and this and this. And, and it kind of wears thin uh, on, on some of the people and some of the fans and some of the media, and, and I think that's where he is right now. Uh, I kind of wish he would just kind of come out of his shell a little bit more, throw things around a little bit more, yeah. I throw mean, a, swear, a, a swear word out there every once in a while. Show that he's human. Show that he's really pissed at, at you know at this at what this team's looking like, and I think the fan base will start to accept him a little more. But right now they're they're just it's they just blame him. Well, sports and, and, are kind of going away from that stoicity. I mean, you don't get the Bill Belichick's anymore. You know, you get Sean yeah. McVay's, you get Alex Cora's. I mean, there's you don't get managers. I mean, <sighs> yeah, but in the same regard though, the, these managers nowadays are required to do these pressers two times a day are required to make themselves available for the media. You know, try to, you know, back in the day, Lou Pinella, Bucky Dent, you know, ask those freaking old school managers about making themselves available for the media. And they'll just, you know, 
it's a different era. It's all about social media. It's all about interaction. I mean, uh, writers write stories every hour on the hour. They interview someone and it comes up. Back in the day, it was, it was a whole process of, of, a, of a week or so. And, and now it's just content, 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 content. So it's 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 different. They have to have that that professional type attitude. But I think the fan base wants to see a little more Joe Madden. Wants to see a little right. kickiness. Wants to see a little Some more Francona, I guess. Yeah, it, it kind of yeah. Go out there with your belly hanging out, doing weird shit, and, and the fan base will kind of relate to you a little bit more. Um, at this point, when you act like Bill Belichick and you don't have Super Bowl titles or World Series titles. It just doesn't go over real well. It kind of feels condescending, if you will. I guess and that's just that's just my opinion. Well, Wellman I, told I me. Well, Wellman told the media uh, after that last game because somebody at one of the Globe guys, I believe, asked him, uh, "Is it harder to coach now than it was when you started?" He goes, <laughs> "I think the quote was, you mean with all these millennials?'" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, we were just laughing about the fact that of course it is like. I mean, you know, um, people people get hurt quicker, like emotionally, than they have ever, and yeah, it's very very hard to coach I mean, when it comes to that. The the games change. I mean, I I go in there in spring training in Peoria, and, and 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 these young kids are going to English classes. They're going to social media classes. They're learning how to interact with fans and social media. Learning about how to interact with other people, and and it's. You know, because you can't go out there. I mean, how many times have we seen old social media posts from baseball players, God. you know, ranting and raving about certain? You know, they have they got to learn right away that you're in that public eye and you have to learn to 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 act with respect. You can't have that uh, Trevor Bauer edge right off the bat. You have to earn that edge and be able to to call out fans and, and tell fans to shut the hell up. If, God, Bauer's if, you good know, at it. Yeah. But that's that came. He earned that fact, you know. He earned that right, and, and fans, I think, like that from him. So it's something that you just can't. You can come out with this. You can't be a rookie, eighteen-year-old, and come out with this edge like that. It's just not going to work, and it's only going to lead to issues down the road for sure. Um, God, Austin, I don't know what did we. I think we're about good for this first pod. Um, I think we covered else it. We need to talk about, you know. Folks, let us know your thoughts on 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 Austin and I here, kind of ranting and raving about the team. Um, we have a lot of thoughts on the minor leagues, a lot of thoughts on the current teams. Uh, I think it's refreshing to kind of get an uh, outside opinion on uh, on the on the Padres from Austin, uh, his adopted team, if you will. He still has a lot of love for the team, but he's not invested quite as much as a lot of us are in this team. Uh, Maybe in a couple of years he'll start to feel that 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 pain that we feel. Well, I'm sure a lot, once a lot more of my guys get up there. I mean, you know, being able to watch Platinum Ron today, well, at the time yeah. today, you know, go out there and spin a gym that was pretty cool. Uh, after yeah, spending I mean, a and, time and with him. Baez all year. Yep. Baez all year. I mean, that's good. You know, I know you had interactions with him all year. Oh, Michelle Baez's interaction was hilarious. When he's walking yeah. around downtown Amarillo. Yeah, give us your quick. Yeah, give us your quick quick story about him walking around Amarillo one night. So I just uh, talked yeah. to Michelle Baez that night, and you know I was trying to get all my quotes in before I left. I was kind of in the press box, in the press box, finishing everything up for that night. I walked down, walked to my truck, which Amarillo's parking is really weird, so I have to park like a block or two away because of how the parking structure is set up. And I'm walking, and I see this giant man in jean shorts and a tank top and I think flip flops <laughs> and 
the middle of downtown Amarillo, which isn't a great part of town to be in, just like walking around in. And I was like, there's only like two, six, ten individuals that I've that I've seen that are that massive. And there's no way that anybody else has that hairstyle. So I'm walking <laughs> by and it's Michelle Baez. And I'm like, Michelle, are you okay? Do you need anything? He goes, no, just waiting on ride. I was like, oh, oh, okay. Do you want me to wait with you? He, he was like, no, no. Like, and then the car pulled up. I was like, all right, like. This isn't a great part of town. He goes, thank you. I was like, all right, cool, thanks. That's great too, because I think I, I think I DM'd him right after that. Yeah, and asked him about it. And he kind of laughed and he's like, oh, your 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 writer's real sweet for for asking if I was okay. It's a it's it's a fun interaction that you develop. You get a lot guys. of those weird interactions though. Like Owen Miller came you, into you my chilies. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, there you. I mean, that's. That's what I love about the minor leagues, and that's what I treasure about the relationships that I built with a lot of these players. That I've been able to kind of learn about their families, learn about themselves, learn about what what they what makes them tick uh, outside of the game of baseball, and that's what really makes it special. And and it really gets you a better evaluation of their talent. I think uh, Austin, give, give me your insight on that. Just you kind of learn who is gonna put in the best foot forward in this game of baseball that's just really demoralizing at times, right? I mean, when you get to kind of know these guys' personalities. It's it's a game that you that if you succeed 30% of the time, you're, you know, you could qualify for the Hall of Fame. You know, if we're talking about yep. hitters, I mean, it's a game of failure and I asked I think I, I think it was Tremel that I asked about it and I was like, "How, you know, how important is it to realize that this is a game of failure and this is a game that you're not going to succeed at all the time?" And he, he yes. was like, it's one of the biggest things. The second that you realize that you're not going to succeed all the time is is the second that, hey, I can do this. Everybody's struggling the way I am, but the good guys get out of it. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's honestly just. The sooner they figure that out and really take that to heart is when they really start to excel. And it's, it's exciting when you see that. And that's one of my favorite questions to ask them about struggling and how they're able to, to get past it, even when they're pitching. Uh, with you know slowing down the game is a is a key thing that pitchers always talk about and not letting the game speed up on them and it's 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 you kind of learn right away and talking to these guys in the first kind of interactions who's going to be able to sink and who's going to be able to swim right yeah I mean you you can tell because I mean they go into game game day basically I mean they get locked in for the interview and yeah, yeah. or you know locked into t- what they're talking about and if the more you talk to these guys the more that they go into depth. And you can honestly, and I know this sounds so cliche, you can tell that this means something to these guys. I mean, talking to Gore about, you know, pitching and throwing his change up, you can tell that he's, you know, this is something that he's worked very, very hard on. Same thing with Patino. I mean, Patino gave me three minutes just on his change up, you know, and how, how important that is to his success and, you know, how important that is for him to succeed in the big leagues and be a Padre one day. And whenever you get guys talking about what they're passionate about, you get really unique answers, and no answer is the same. And, you know, you can kind of tell their motor by talking to them. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's fascinating stuff. You folks got you to gotta, gotta give Austin a follow. Uh, he's just annihilated the Amarillo coverage this year. Uh, first inaugural season for the Amarillo Sod Poodles. Uh, no one's providing better content than Austin uh, right now for East Village Times. It's been excellent. Uh, Thank you so much, Austin, for everything, man. I, I really mean that. That's been it's been fantastic. It's been awesome to see you develop and, and kind of find your stride and 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 
and just talking to these guys and, and doing what's obviously natural to you. And I'm, I'm so happy to be able to kind of put you in that place, man. What did you tell me one day? Uh, I'm the Corvette. You just handed me the keys or something like yeah, that. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's literally exactly. handing me the keys of the best summer of my life. It's right all now. about timing. It's all about timing and, and, and timing was perfect. I mean, we, I think, you know, we started talking about this uh, before the pod, how we kind of interacted with each other uh, on your paintings, uh, painting the corner podcast. You guys interviewed uh, Cantu, a uh, Padre prospect, and that's how. See, that's how, how we, we function. And, I think Texas Longhorn, and you think Padre prospect immediately. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> My name's Austin. I can't help it. Let's be real. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, all right, folks. I think we're going to be out of here. We've been in your ear enough. Uh, appreciate the listen. Uh, please give us some feedback. Let us know your thoughts. Uh, we're working on an intro song. We got a couple little tricks of the trade here and there. Um, we are working on some interviews coming up in the next week or so. Uh, we're definitely going to try to be regimented on this, uh, Austin. Um, give me your thoughts on anything else that we need to talk about before we get out of here. I mean, I don't think that we really need to talk about anything. I'm excited about the guys that, you know, we would have the opportunity to talk to for sure. I mean, whether it's guys that I've interacted with before, you know, that we can kind of get into it a little bit, whether it's guys that you've interacted with before, because if I've interact interacted with them, you probably have. And that's pretty exciting. I mean, uh, you know, just I'm, I'm excited to talk baseball. I mean, you know me pretty well at this point. I'm just a baseball guy. I could talk about baseball all day. And as a guy who doesn't come out of his shell very often, if you can talk ball with me, I mean, we could go all day. Yeah, that's, that's the, that's the idea. We're going to be, uh, Hopefully cranking these out uh, every week. Again, give us some information, whether or not you uh, like them, whether or not we need to improve on some things. Uh, we are all ears, uh, definitely We're willing developing. to improve. Yeah, we're developing. Uh, this is the East Village Times podcast. Uh, give Austin a follow at Hartsfield PC. I am at <clears> – <throat> man, I'm losing my voice here. <clears throat> I am at uh, EVT underscore J Clark. Uh, this is the East Village Times podcast. Signing out.